Welcome to Season 2 of Neighborhood Twin Mom. If you're new here, welcome to the neighborhood. It's good to be back. I'm a stay-at-home mom, always have been, so it's been really weird and hard to devote so much time to this project of the podcast, but I love creating it, so I'm back for Season 2. As mothers, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for what we do and what we know, and I love learning from these moms that I've interviewed, um, especially twin moms. So I hope you enjoy the interviews I have lined up for this season, and if you do, I'd love it if you'd share your favorites with your friends. Today's guest is Lindsay Castiglione. She has boy-girl twins like me, as well as a set of identical twin boys. She is a certified lactation consultant and honestly a pleasure to talk to. I love uplifting, encouraging moms, and I hope that you learn a lot from this episode and enjoy. Hey, I'm Amber, mom to boy-girl twins plus three other girls. My oldest was in kindergarten when baby five came along. I have a lot of kids and a lot of practice parenting them, but when I have a question, I turn to an expert, another mom. I believe the best advice comes from moms in the trenches, living it day in and day out. So sit back as I ask the real experts, moms like you, all the advice you asked for, and some you didn't. This is Neighborhood Twin Mom. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm super excited about this guest today. I have Lindsay Castiglione today. She has two sets of twins, which what do I love more than a twin mom is someone who's got more than one set of twins. And she is, so she has identical twin boys and then boy, girl twins, which is what I have. So I also love moms who have boy, girl twins. And she's (laughs) going to introduce herself because she is professional that I don't know all the letters for. So you go for it, Lindsay. Tell me about yourself. Well, thank you. Like you said, I'm Lindsay Castiglione and my identical boys are 10 years old. So they um, are bright redheads, which is really fun. Lots of attention for that. And then I have an eight-year-old boy girl set. Um, Before I had kids, I was a social worker. So I had my BSW, but then um, through having them and through my breastfeeding journey with both of them, I ended up doing all the training needed to be an IBCLC. So those are my letters. Which that stands for what? International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Okay. And, but you specialize in twins. Yes. Yeah. You did IVF for the boys, right? How did that go? Were you, how long had you been trying? Was that a easy, was it easy? Was it easy doing IVF? (laughs) Well, you know, honestly, it wasn't that bad. I felt like all things considered, I didn't really have a lot of the really hard side effects that some women have. So I was very blessed in that aspect. We were trying for a decent amount of time and we did, we went through like some medicated cycles, some IUIs and, you know, nothing was really working. So we jumped into IVF and funny, like Murphy's law, we did a program where we paid for four cycles, like a higher rate for a guarantee so that if we got pregnant on the first or second cycle, then the others would be canceled, but we would pay less overall than if we had to pay for four cycles individually. Interesting. We just wanted to like hedge our bets and dive into it. And of course we get pregnant the first cycle. So it's what it is. And did you do two Uh, eggs or you did one egg and it split? We actually transferred three, which this was okay. again, like 11 years ago now. And yeah. these days, I don't think you could find a doctor that would let you do that. And I was 28 at the time, especially given my age. So we transferred three, um, two stuck. And so at our six week scan, we had two heartbeats in one sack. So we knew there was a mono die set and then a third baby, but no heartbeat yet. So we thought it was triplets and 
being, you know, going through infertility and being young and naive, we were super excited. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. triplets. This is amazing. Three for one kind of. Yeah. So that third baby just ended up not continuing to grow past like seven weeks or so. And so we had just the identical set left over. I didn't know much about what made a monodye pregnancy different than a die-die pregnancy. And to be honest, I don't think that my care providers did much either. At about 15 weeks, we went in for an ultrasound and they couldn't find the separating membrane between them. And at first they told me they were mono-mono and that we had been misdiagnosed mono-dye. And so that was scary, of course. And they referred me to an MFM. We went into the MFM. That's um, maternal maternal fetal medicine. Okay. So like a specialized OBGYN. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. And they mainly deal with multiples and any other high risk issues. So they did a scan. It was like two hours and they wouldn't tell us anything the whole time. And it ended up being that they had twin to twin transfusion. Okay. Yeah. so the reason they didn't see that membrane is because one of the babies was shrink wrapped because he had no fluid. And so the membrane was literally like covering. Oh, wow. Him. Yeah. So that was terrifying, especially considering we had just spent a lot of money, a huge bulk of our savings to get pregnant. And now we thought we were going to potentially lose this pregnancy. It's really scary. I mean, not, it's horrible to have to think about that in the moment, but that's reality. Right. So they uh, referred us to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for fetal surgery. And we went down there and well, they made us wait two weeks first until they were past 18 weeks. That was really, really hard. Basically like laid in bed and cried all day. Cause it was oh terrifying. My gosh, yeah. And, and then one day, you know what I said, what if they can hear me? You know how you get like those updates with pregnancy, like, Oh, the babies can hear things now. Right. And, you know, and I said, what if they can hear me? Which is so silly. But I stopped crying then because I wanted them to think that I had confidence in them. Oh, so, <laughs> so I, we went to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and they did all the full day workup and they said, you know what, these babies actually are in great shape. They're looking really good. You know, you do have stage one twin to twin, but go home, continue to be monitored. And when it gets worse, you can come back. So that was like, double-edged sword, right? It's great because our babies are doing well, but I wanted them to fix it. I wanted it to be over. And so we went back and we were three times a week ultrasounds at the MFM for pretty much the rest of the pregnancy. And they just kind of got a little bit worse, but never bad enough. they never crossed into stage two. So there's you know, criteria that goes along with that. But the uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they were governed by a research grant at that time that they could not operate unless it was stage two. So some people can get surgery earlier than that, but we couldn't. Anyway, we continued on and just kind of counted every day. When we got to 24 weeks, we had a huge, you know, celebration that it was viability. And then at 30 weeks, I went in for a regular scan and the baby that had all the fluid previously, all of a sudden had none. And they were like, what, did your water break? Did you notice leakage? And I said, no, I don't, I, I'm sure I would notice nothing happened. The other baby that had none, all of a sudden had tons. So what we had was a reversal, which is right. super, super rare, especially if you didn't have surgery already. So they admitted us, we were there for a few days and the baby who uh, had all of the fluid, all of a sudden his heart 
just couldn't handle it. So he would go into D cells, like his heart right. would slow, slow way down. And so they ended up delivering us emergency C-section. So we were 30 weeks and three days. Um, and then how and long were they in the NICU? Seven weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So again, honestly, we had a great experience. It wasn't horrible. They, we had great support. We um, had, didn't have any complications, really. There was one transfusion um, for one of the babies. But other than that, they really just did great. So we're really lucky. So at what point did you decide? A lot of people who have twins are like, I'm good. I have twins. That's I'm good with kids. So then you decide to have more kids, though. And I would expect it to be a bigger gap. But your kids are right. quite close. They are really close. So we actually had two leftover frozen embryos from Hayden and Connor's cycle mm-hmm. that we transferred when they were like 13 months old. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it again, worked first time. It did not work that time. Oh, it didn't. Okay. We were willing to have it work that time, which is kind of crazy looking back on it. I was just finishing up breastfeeding them too. I kind of weaned them so that we could do that cycle. Gotcha. And then we took a break for a few cycles because I had had some cysts and just kind of letting things calm down. And then we did another full IVF cycle when they were about, they were about 17 months old at the time. So we, that's, that's a fun story about how we ended up having two again. We of course wanted to do a single embryo transfer. I mean, that's what makes the most sense. So we went in on transfer day and, you know, they don't really know the embryo qualities until you till like the last minute, basically. And then you decide like what you're going to transfer and, you know, all that. So we went in and they said, well, they give me like that air suck, suck kind of thing. Like, (laughs) oh, like, oh, things aren't looking that great. They're really like not great quality. And really, if you want a good shot at one baby, we would recommend putting two back. So we said we'd already made the decision that we would rather have another set of twins than for our family to be complete at just two. So we knew that that was going to be our choice. And so we went ahead and we transferred the two and I was convinced that it did not work. Of course Uh, I did all the, you know, Googling on what the qualities were of the embryos. One of them was a whole day behind in growth, which at day five is a really big deal. Uh, In hindsight, our embryologist said that he only seen an embryo of that quality create a healthy baby one other time in his 25 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we had the blood test done so many days after the transfer and the HCG levels were about half of what they had been with Hayden and Connor. And so I was like, yes, this is it. We've done it. We had this one baby in there. <laughs> no. Uh, so <laughs> We went in for the ultrasound and, oh gosh, I'll never forget it. I was laying there and she's doing the scan and she's like, well, how do you feel about a second set of twins? And I was just in disbelief. I mean, you would think knowing, yeah, there's a chance of course, but I just was like, no, no. And my husband was like so excited and I'm kind of like giving him the side eye. Like, are you kidding? Like, you know, you know how much work they are. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we went home and it's kind of a hard thing to think back on because of course I want to say that I was thrilled, right? Right. We've gone through all this and we had hoped for a baby and now we have two more. But to be completely honest, I felt really robbed for a long time. I felt like infertility kind of took away my chance to know what one baby was like and to enjoy having one newborn. Right. 
and we had just gone through like a premature birth and a NICU stay. And so I kind of assumed we'd have some sort of situation similar to that. And I said, I just want to know what having a boring 40 week singleton pregnancy is like. So it took a little bit of time. I was really, really sick with them, um, more so with the second set than the first. And so that didn't help my, my mindset. Right. Yeah. Um, and Charlie, my husband had gotten picked up for this commissioning program that would send him to college. So thank God that happened because otherwise he would have been going back to a submarine when the second set were about six months old. So we were super lucky, but in order to do that program, he had to leave for 10 weeks during my pregnancy. Oh man. Yeah. When I was 15 weeks pregnant, he had to go to another state and he couldn't even come. He came home to visit once, but that was it. That was the only visit he could have. So I was, you know, in a tough mindset for a bit of the pregnancy, but when we found out they were boy girl, for some reason, that just kind of flipped the switch for me. And I got, I started to get really excited about it and kind of embrace the uniqueness that is having two sets of twins and especially two in a short period of time. Yeah. So what is the age difference between the two sets? 25 months, 25 months. Okay. So what's it like parenting identical twins versus die, die twins, non, you know, fraternal twins. It's there's similarities and there's differences. Of course, my boys have more of like this bubble (laughs) where like, it's not so much like twin talk. Like they don't have their own language or anything like that. I mean, they would jabber to each other as toddlers, but they kind of block out everyone else and which makes it difficult sometimes parenting wise, because they really are invested in each other's approval and in each other's like, you know, they want to make each other laugh and be silly and all that. And they kind of just, we are on the outside and then, and they're still so close, which is really sweet. Like they still, and they'll probably kill me if they hear this, but they still (laughs) kind of cuddle on the couch when they watch TV together. Um, They'll share a blanket and you know, they're 10. So yeah, that's cute. And the little ones, the, the boy, girl, they are more like a old married couple, which you probably, I don't know if you have that experience with yours. Nope. They kind of take care of each other and, um, you know, they definitely argue and kind of bait each other and have this, they play jokes on each other and a very interesting relationship. It's different, but I'm lucky that they are both, both sets are really close. So I don't really worry about my kids having a sense of identity because they are boy girl. People don't even know that they're twins. So mm-hmm. I don't worry about that. Do you have that conflict between the two sets? Like one set's identical, one set's not. Do you worry more about your identical boys? Yeah, I would say so. Generally, they all four of them are in separate classrooms, which is okay. very challenging to deal with four different teachers and different all the stuff that comes with that. But it is really important, especially for the older boys, to have separate groups of friends. And we try to get them. It's it's hard because it's easier if they do the same extracurricular activities. It's easier for us. But right. if they have different interests, we definitely try to foster that for them. So they they have different, very different personalities, though, which is kind of funny. I mean, some of their their sense of humor is the same, but one of them is more sensitive and just stuff like that. Yeah, they're different people. They have different personalities. Yeah. I think yeah. as a kid, I always assumed that identical twins were the same in every way, but mm-hmm. definitely personalities are different. So did you do anything differently or do you wish you would have done anything differently the second <laughs> time around with your twins? Well, I mean, like scheduling, feeding, like taking care of them, I guess, mostly as was they were younger. 
yeah, we did do things differently, mostly because the pregnancies were so different that kind of set things off. So my, the first set obviously had the NICU stay. And then the second set, I carried them to 38 and two. My son was eight pounds, two ounces. And my daughter was six eleven, So they were like giant babies yeah. that were like ready to come home. Like basically before I was, I had a repeat C-section because my baby, a was breech. Um, so they breastfed really well, right from the beginning, my daughter had some issues, but mostly, uh, things went well. So that created a whole different climate around feeding. And I think for my boys being preemies, the feeding aspect of it was really, really hard. You know, I'm always stressing out about them getting the right amount of food. And we were always doing some sort of triple feeding pretty much the entire time I nursed them. We were still, I was still pumping. I was still giving them bottles in addition to, to latching them. So with the second set, we barely did any of that. I didn't, they never had a drop of formula. They didn't have any supplements, which I'm very lucky to say. And, um, they, I didn't really pump for them. So just having that lack of stress and just nursing them when they need to be nursed was really, really nice in comparison. But schedule wise, we did a lot of the same. I feel like we set it up pretty well the first time to get the most amount of sleep possible. And we did like a little shift type thing with each of us taking um, some of the time overnight to be in charge. So a lot of that was the same the second time around. And you would do it again, the same, same schedule, same type of schedule and stuff. If you had another set. Yeah, I might wait another year in between. Uh, yeah. <laughs> between having them. Yeah. I mean, there, there's positive things about having them close in age, but I, I do think that overall the chaos that we have on a daily basis probably would have been a little bit different, a little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm like yeah. two years, three years, kind of the same thing. <laughs> now they'll all be in high school. Well, I guess two or three years, they'd still all be basically in school every year together, middle school and high school together. Okay. What is terrifying? What's that? It's terrifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause you think about like all four of them so close in age, like we're bound to have like someone dating someone's friend and they're all going to start driving at the same time. And oh gosh, I'm trying to enjoy before we get to that. Oh, point. I think that would be great. Then everyone mm-hmm. will hang out at your house, eat your cereal and you'll know where your kids are at all the time. I think it's great. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I've, I've talked to older uh, well, I interviewed some triplets and I was like, oh my gosh, what was it like dating each other's friends? Like one of them married, you know, there's a boy and two, two girls. One of the girls married the boy's friend. And he's like, what's the big deal? Who cares? Like oh it didn't bother gosh. them. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I shouldn't worry about that. So don't worry about it, Lindsay. They say it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, who cares? Um, so you were able to breastfeed both sets of twins talk me through so your babies were in do your boys were in the NICU and you told me that you had a nurse that really helped you what was it that made it that she helped you more so than somebody else well just the backstory I had hoped to breastfeed them and I had done some reading I in research on my own definitely had the intention to breastfeed them but then delivering so early that kind of was a first time mom like blew my hat off and I wasn't sure if it was even possible to breastfeed babies that early. I wasn't even sure if my milk would come in or any of that stuff. So she just was very powerful question. She asked is like, well, what do you want to do? What are your goals? And 
didn't try to push any of her agenda on me or any sort of, this is what you should do or propaganda. Sometimes it feels like that when you hear breastfeeding, pro-breastfeeding messaging, but she just said, well, what's your goals? And I said, well, I really would like to breastfeed them, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if it's possible. And she said, absolutely, it's possible. And if you want, I'm going to help you. And man, I mean, it still like chokes me up sometimes to think back on that because it, it truly changed my life in so many ways since then. So she just really gave me basic information, but the most important thing she did for me was give me support and let me know, like she was in my corner and she was proud of me. You know, it's like, I was a full grown woman, but it still felt good to have someone cheering for me basically. And every day I'd come in with my milk and she'd be like, Oh my gosh, look at this milk. You're doing a great job. And she was super, uh, you know, affirming to all that. So I pumped like it was my job for them, like most preemie moms do around the clock. I was really particular about not missing any of my pumping sessions. And I think that made a huge difference for us. So sometimes well-meaning nurses will say, oh, just sleep extra through the night. You know, you just had a C-section, your babies are in the NICU, you know, just sleep and you'll, you need to heal. But it's so, so important, especially with two babies and trying to bring in a supply for them to stay on top of it in the beginning. So I'm glad that I did that. And I also had a lot of luck and I feel like that's not talked about it enough. I had a lot of things in my corner and that's not the way it is for everyone. I started putting them to breast in the NICU by about 32 or 33 weeks. And again, Betsy, the nurse, she would help me. And when we were discharged, they were probably nursing about half the time. And then I was pumping and bottle feeding the other half. And the NICU, they formulate like this certain amount of milliliters that you're, it's like a magic number of feeding milliliters the babies have to have. And I wish in hindsight that I had let that go a little bit because I was very, very focused on those numbers and making sure that they had every little bit. How do you measure that though? When you're not feeding them through a bottle, they weigh them. They do. Yeah. So they do okay. what's called a weighted feed. So they weigh them either completely naked or in a dry diaper. And then you nurse the baby and then they put the baby back on the scale and calculate the difference in grams, which is the same as milliliters. They can tell how many milliliters they had. So we would do that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is because especially since normal newborns right. aren't going to be eating that much you know, it's, it's, well, they don't do that to somebody who's full term either. Like I never had to weigh my babies to, they're like, are you feeding them? I said, yeah. They're like, okay. Right. So are I just gaining? think the NICU, I just am impressed with NICU moms. There's so much added pressure and so many checklists you have to make to get out of the NICU. I just, oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you were doing half and half as you left the hospital with the twins. Yep. So we got home and I had been working on tandem feeding a bit in the NICU. There was a lactation consultant besides Betsy that would come in once or twice a week. And she would just kind of help troubleshoot and do all the things, you know, that I wanted to work on. And so when we got home, I was still pretty much individually feeding them back to back and then feeding them a supplement. So we all, the triple feeding, dirty words of multiples, Uh, not fun for anyone, but we were doing it. And I eventually started nursing more and more. And then I would take individual feeding sessions and swap them over for a tandem session, like one every few days. And eventually got them to about 75% tandem feeding. And then we still pumped and did a bottle in the evening before bed. 
I think that's important that you say it takes a couple of days because for me, I'm not ever patient when I have newborns because the days are still really long and it feels like I've been doing this forever. And it's like, oh, it's only been a day and a half or two days. So I think that's super important to be patient with whatever you're doing when it comes to newborns is that it's not probably not as long as you think it is, even though it feels Absolutely. like a long time. Yeah. So yep. what is, I think I've got two breastfeeding questions for you. Well, I'll probably have more once we start talking, but <laughs> I have two, I have two in mind. So I have, my brother listens to this podcast. He was asking me, he's like, what's the big deal about breastfeeding? Why does, why do women make a big deal about it? Why do you have to like, talk about it? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause it doesn't, for me, it doesn't come naturally. Like, I feel like you need to take a class cause it doesn't come naturally, but maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. So why is it so <laughs> important to like discuss breastfeeding? If that's something that you want to do. Just to point out that it is natural for your body to make milk, but the act of actually breastfeeding is a learned skill. So a lot of women kind of assume that they're going to know what they need to do. And this is, you know, it's all a reflex, but it really isn't. It's like walking. We have to learn how to walk. You know, it's a, it's something that we're made to do, but it's not automatic. Ooh, I like the analogy. I like that. Yeah. So as far as breastfeeding goes though, with twins, I mean, lots of health benefits, right? There's health benefits for the babies, but also for moms, as far as like reduced cancer risks um, with a certain amount of time with exclusive breastfeeding. For preemies especially, your body is making different milk for a preemie baby than it would for a full-term baby. And it's basically medicine for them. No way, so, I did not know that. Yeah. Cause your body just naturally knows that like these babies are born early. Yeah. Oh, crazy. It's exactly, it's higher in antibodies and certain proteins and all of that to help them kind of, you know, grow faster and help protect them because they really need that immunity protection. Okay, so lots of preemies though do donor milk, which wouldn't have those same benefits. Still better than, I Other mean, formula is great. Don't get me wrong, but it is still better. It's still preferred over formula as far oh, as like the digestible nature of it. And then also formula especially powdered formula isn't sterile. And so there's a big risk of certain illnesses that happen in the NICU, unfortunately. And so one of the reasons why breastfeeding is really, really important in the NICU might is emphasized so much by NICU staff is to cut down on those illnesses. Oh, interesting. Okay. Another question. So I have two sisters, two of us, like you said, have luck on our side and overproduce milk, like to the point of being very uncomfortable, being in pain. My other sister does not have this problem. So it's hard for us to be like, oh my gosh, we have this problem. We have too much milk. But like, honestly, what do you do when you have too much milk? And especially after I had my twins, my baby after I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to explode. I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm like, what do I do? I don't want to pump because then that makes my Mm -hmm. body make more milk. So do you have, but then you don't want to like, you know, stop drinking water or stop eating. No, no, no. I mean, so like, how is there, do you have a trick to like balance yourself out sooner? So you don't feel like you're dying. Yeah. So uh, oversupply, I think it's glamorized in a lot of women's minds. Like, Oh, what a horrible problem to have too much. Exactly. Right. But it really, like you're saying, it can be really uncomfortable. It also puts you at higher risk for clogged ducts and also mastitis, which is bad news, right? No one, no one wants mastitis. So what we can do is try to hand express, which is using your hands on your breast to try to uh, make the milk move either in the shower or even just, you know, as is into a container and save the milk because you may need it down the road, but try to hand express just so you're comfortable, but not 
go through a pumping session to relieve yourself completely. That when we remove all the milk from our breasts, that's going to send our body the message to make more. So we don't want to do that. Full breasts will slow down production. So the trick is to try to find the balance between having, you know, engorgement, which is when your breasts are that uncomfortable, hard, kind of hot to the touch feeling. You want to not have that, but you don't want to empty them fully either. And then gradually back off, even just relieving yourself if you can. So just like, throughout the day, like whenever. Yeah, just for full. like a couple of minutes. Okay. I'll write that down. I'll text my sister <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> so why are you, well, I think it's a little bit obvious why you're so passionate about twin feeding, but tell us why you have decided to teach other twin moms. Well, I think it's so helpful for a twin mom to feel like the person trying to help them gets it. I think so many IBCLCs out there, lactation consultants, just they know a lot about breastfeeding, but they don't know what it's like to be, you know, trying to figure all of this out when you're sleep deprived from two babies, not one. It's a much different ball game. So being able to kind of be that support for a mom who's struggling is probably my most important drive in what I do. But there's some, a few things that go along with twins that are really different from breastfeeding singletons, mainly that most of them are preterm. So about 55% of twins are born between 35 and 37 weeks in that time frame. And babies born then may look like full-term babies, you know, or what we imagine twins to be like five, maybe even six pounds, but they're not going to feed like full-term babies. So they're going to be sleepy. They're maybe not going to remove enough milk from the breast the way like a full-term baby would. They just don't have the stamina to make it through a full feeding. And if a lactation consultant just kind of telling mom, we'll just keep nursing, just keep nursing, but their babies aren't really cooperating like a full-term baby would be, then we need to be doing other things like using a pump in addition to nursing a preterm baby for even just a few minutes after each time we nurse. But, you know, being able to do all those things is really hard. We need a lot of support in order to manage the first few weeks of breastfeeding. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of what drives what I do is trying to help moms walk through that. I don't think it's given enough uh, credit for the difficulty that it really is. And if we don't get off to the best start, it's much, much harder in the long run to get our supply to come back or to rebound than it is to just get it going off to the right start in the beginning and then maintain it. All right. Tell me, I always ask my people I interview, what's your best advice for twin parents? You got two sets. So hit me with, what do you tell all of your friends that have twins? What's your best advice? Uh, well, probably to get them on the same schedule, probably my number one thing. And yes, that can be done with breastfeeding because sometimes I get that question from parents. Like, you know, how do I keep them on the same schedule? Will you wake the second one up? Don't worry about waking a sleeping baby. That kind of goes out the window when you have two of them. But on a bigger scale to accept that we may not thrive every single day of being twin parents. You know, we have like this Instagram dynamic of social media that we see other even other twin parents like doing all these things and we think we're supposed to be doing that and it is really okay to just survive some days like just you know stay in your sweatpants and all 
don't do your hair and just cuddle up with your babies somewhere and make a little nest like in your bed and just kind of hang out for the day and take the stress off of yourself because before you know it, you're going to be through this season, the seasons of having twins pass so quickly. I think for first time parents, that's really, really hard to know that there will be an end to this. Something else is going to start. The perspective isn't quite there with first time parenting. So just survive the days that you have to, you'll thrive some of them, I promise, but survive. So your oldest are 10 and then you have your other set is eight. What has been your favorite season with your twins? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably between two and three, which is funny because people say like, oh, terrible twos or terrible threes. I loved them talking and talking to each other. Oh, it's just the cutest thing when they're that age. They they have their own little imaginative toy era activities and things that they play with and they interact like little best friends. It's so fun. So I love that age. This has been a great conversation. I'm going to have to have you on again, but will you tell us where people can find you for more, more support? Sure. So I teach prenatal multiples education classes besides doing my lactation care work. So I teach expecting twins classes and breastfeeding twins classes and expecting twins, we go through all sorts of stuff, like how to get your babies on the same schedule, feeding, what gear you need, what gear you don't need, pretty much all the basics that you, the essentials that you need to know to take them home. So then the breastfeeding class is just really in-depth breastfeeding and all the information on that and how to register and times and everything are on my website. So that's www.fullheartscollaborative.com. We're also and you do on online and in-person classes, right? I do. I do mostly online. It's just, it's nice to have the reach all across the country and people can find me and have a nice resource. That's not necessarily searching for someone in your hometown. So yeah, I do a lot of online classes. I do about three per month of each class. And then I also do virtual consultations. The majority of my consultations are virtual actually. And before COVID, it seemed like, you know, how do you do a virtual lactation consultation? But it is amazing the tools that we've developed and how far we've come with that. And I really emphasize to our families, having someone in person is great to kind of come in and check the latch but have a team approach, have me as the multiples expert. I can even communicate with your IV CLC that's local to you. And we can together come up with a care plan that really can get you on the right track to meet your goals. So that, that information is all on my website as well. And same with Facebook, it's Full Hearts Collaborative and uh, Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you want to hang out some more, you can follow me on Instagram at Neighborhood Twin Mom. If you want more info on what we talked about in this episode or a transcription of the audio, head to NeighborhoodTwinMom.com. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star rating and review. This helps other people be able to find the podcast. Music for this episode was composed by Cameron Norby. Find more of his work on YouTube.